You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Then we saw Christmas in Genesis a couple weeks ago, then Christmas in Psalms last week. This morning was Christmas in Isaiah. But as I was going through there, I found it such a rich study in the book of Isaiah that I just could not fit everything in, and I wanted to just bring a separate message tonight from Isaiah chapter number 9, and looking at some scripture here. It's good to see Nora back in church this evening, and uh, make sure you ask her about all the dates she went on this past semester, and I just want to embarrass her a little bit, but we're glad that you're here. Got Brother James back, who mentioned this morning, and uh, Brother Ryan's back in town. They're college students we see here. I see, but uh, good to see everybody here tonight. Let's take our Bibles. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to look at two verses this evening. I want to focus in <coughs> on these two verses, and uh, the title of the message this evening would be the, the Beautiful Names of the Promised Son. The Beautiful Names of the Promised Son. Now, we saw that this morning, that there was a son promise. We saw his humanity, we saw his heritage. We saw his hope that he brought. We saw the humiliation in chapter 53 and, and all that was brought there and all that Christ has done for us and what he was doing in this time during a dark world. But I want to focus in tonight um, on the names of Christ that are mentioned here. Now, keep in mind, this was a very dark time for Israel, but the people, as we're going to see here in this chapter, are promised a leader that would rule one day. Of course, we know Jesus came to earth, but when he came to earth, he did not come at that time to rule in the reign, uh, but he will come again to do that. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next two weeks in our series in, uh, on uh, Christmas through the Bible. We're going to see one next week, and then January 1st will be the last message on Christmas through the Bible. <coughs> Excuse me, and I think it'll be a help to you, and uh, looking forward to that. If you at all know any, well, let me pray first, and I'll tell you that. Father, thank you for tonight, and thank you for the word of God. Lord, it's been a great day in church. I've enjoyed the Sunday morning service, enjoyed seeing visitors here this morning and some folks visiting tonight, and thank you for those that are back in town. Thank you for those that maybe are out of town, but they're in a church somewhere from our church. And uh, Lord, thank you for those that, that uh, are, are at home tonight. They're sick, but we pray for their healing. But, but we thank you for our church family, and I pray that tonight as we gather on the Word, Lord, help us to focus in on the Bible. Lord, help me to be, not be distracted, but be fully focused on your word this evening. I pray that we would receive what you have for us tonight, that we may be thinking about your precious names and what they mean to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. One of the most beautiful songs written is Handel's Messiah. And oftentimes our choir has sung that song, and uh, you can tell from that, uh, from that song that man, Handel must have been a believer, must have, have loved God because of the writing in there. Of course, we know the, the refrain there, for the Lord, I'm God, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, which comes out of the book of Revelation. But you remember there's many just direct quotes in that song from Scripture. And uh, it talks about in that song, this very, uh, this very verse here in chapter uh, 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called. And in the song, it's the same way. It's these words here. Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace shall there be no end upon the throne of David 
and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So these passages are telling us about the son that is to be born, the, the child to be born, the son that is going to be given. The government will be upon his shoulders and, and his name shall be called all these things and, and he will rule and reign. He will come in authority and of course in power. But we see the names here given and the names of the one who would reign tell us a lot about him. Of course, we know, and, and we've talked about this, we looked at the word Emmanuel a couple weeks ago, but names carry great meaning in Scripture. And uh, names were given, and oftentimes the, it seemed like the character trait of the person aligned up perfectly with their name. The name Jesus, of course, means Savior. I wonder tonight what your favorite name of God is in the Bible. Do you have one in mind? Because I want to ask you tonight. I want to have you say it out loud. If you have a name throughout, it could be Lamb of God. It could be anything. But a name referring to God or Jesus. Someone just tell me, what's your favorite name referring to God or Christ in the Bible? Anybody? Abba, Father. Yes, sir. Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Yes, ma'am. What was that? Mighty God. Friend. Savior, Miss Johnson, the rock, does see anybody, is all the spiritual people just over here, good night, everybody's answering here, okay, Miss Linda, here we go, Emmanuel, Brother Fred, did you have your hand up, she stole it, how dare you, Linda, all right, I'm just kidding, I'm just joking, Emmanuel, yes, God with us, all the way in the balcony, Lion of Judah, I love it when Brother Delgado used to sing that song, Lion of Judah, Lamb of God. Love that. Anybody over here? I saw some other names, some other people raising their hands. Did anyone say Jesus? No. Is that your favorite, brother? Jesus. I like it. Ryan. Elohim. Yes. Shepherd or Lord. Good on you. Anybody else? Yes, sir. I'm oh, sorry, upstairs, real quick. The great I am, back here. Brother Gettler, was that you? Same thing? Brother Julius stole your thunder, Brother Gettler. First it's Linda, now it's Julius. Anybody over here? I saw another hand. Yes, ma'am. Emmanuel, good, wonderful. Did I, did I lift, leave anybody out? I don't want to leave anybody out tonight, okay? All right, I'm glad, I'm glad we all got the names right, too, Brother, Brother Johnson. Jehovah. Good. So it's, it, I love it that we have, and every one of those names, you know what they do? They, they signify something about the character of Jesus Christ or God himself. And, and that's what names do. And tonight, I want to just kind of give us more of a devotional thing, thought. And what I mean by that is something I want you to think about and let it just feel good. Let it just feel good when you think about Jesus and what he does for you. And then to carry it with you as you go out, making some applications as we go. Can we go through these tonight and look at the names and what they signify? And they signify many things. But the Bible says in chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us, <coughs> excuse me, a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Wonderful. The beautiful names of the promised son. Name wonderful to me shows his character. Jesus is wonderful. He's wonderful. He was wonderful in everything he did. 
He was wonderful in everything, he, every work that he did on earth. He was wonderful in every word that he said on earth. His birth was more wonderful than anyone else's birth. His life was more wonderful than anyone else's life. His uh, acts that he did were, were more wonderful as he healed and, and, and saved, and did a lot more wonderful than anyone else's. His death was more wonderful than anybody else's. His resurrection was more wonderful. Jesus is wonderful. One of my favorite songs, and, and Miss Stephanie sings it often, is more than wonderful. More than wonderful. That was what Jesus is to me. <coughs> the word wonderful is also, we would use the word miracle. It is the word uh, a marvelous thing. It means an astounding thing which causes a feeling or attitude of intense amazement. When we're talking about Christ, there, there should be within us an attitude of immense amazement, intense amazement, but oftentimes, you know how it is when, when you hear something so often, it can become old hat. I think that's dangerous. <coughs> Excuse me, the gospel should never be old hat to us. The, it's still the, the greatest story ever told. It's still a story, and Christ himself and his person. Listen, you'll never see every facet of Christ. He's too wonderful. My father-in-law wrote a book called The Facets of Christ. It's about this thick, of all the names and, and attributes of God. And you know what? He still didn't exhaust them. Because you can't. Every time you see Jesus in a new light, you'll love him more. And there's always a new side to see. And he's an amazing God. Jesus was, is wonderful. I think of the song that we sing. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm still fighting this cold. I think I've won the battle, but it's still, it's still getting me. But till we sing the song, I stand amazed. I stand amazed. Of the love that has sought me, saved me and bought me. I stand amazed. I think it's time that, that God's people get back to being amazed at the wonderful God that we have. The Bible says, Psalm 4:4, stand in awe. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still, Selah. Psalm 33, 8, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. What's it mean to stand in awe? It literally, the word, it literally means quiver, to, to quiver or shake. We just got a new puppy. <coughs> so did the Sanchez's, but we just got a, a new six, a five-week-old puppy. He's now seven weeks old. And uh, it's so funny to watch him. He'll, it's, it, it, he just pops awake all of a sudden. Like he'll sleep, 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 and then he'll just jump, and he's awake. And as soon as he's awake, he's biting. And like, I, I'm quivering after he's done with me, because I'm like, ah, looking at my hands, they look like I've been, uh, like I'm a horrible butcher, you know, I'm just like cutting my hands all the time. And, and uh, but it's so funny to watch him, because after a little while of biting and tugging, and, and he's a Jack Russell Terrier, he's just, and he's, uh, he's Jack Russell Terrorizer, I think is what he is, and he's just grabbing shoes and dragging them, and, and he's fun, we're loving him. But after a while, he just starts to quiver and shake his little legs, and he just, and that's it, he's just, he's just conked out. He goes full bore for a while, and then he's out. Then he wakes up, and he's back at it again. But, but the quivering and shaking there, the, but, but that's a different kind, right? But the, the word all means to quiver. It means to, we would say the word revere. <coughs> it means to have a profound respect and reverence for another with an implication of awe bordering on fear. 
When we're looking at God, people say, you should never be afraid of God. Have you read about God in the Bible? Absolutely, there should be a fear, but there, there should be a, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. A God, God is a consuming fire. God, it, 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 there, there is a fear there, absolutely, but, but he's also our father. Now, I feared my dad growing up. How many of you feared your dad growing up? If you didn't, what's wrong with you, right? My, my dad, he, was, he would give a look. His look inspired fear. His look uh, it caused us to stand in awe, right? I mean, it was like, okay, dad gave the look. If he gives the look again, we die immediately. That's what it felt like. So there is a fear, but there is an awe, there is an amazement. You know, I've seen a lot of things in life. I've got to travel a lot of places. I've been to Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls is beautiful. I remember going and standing at Niagara Falls, and what do you say? You just stand there and you look at it. And you just go, I, I don't have words for this. The power, the power of the water coming by you, you know if you're in there, you're gone. There's times in life where the, the power of something overwhelms you and it makes you feel very small. Living in Germany for a few years, I got to see the Alps, the mountain ranges there. It makes it, you stand in awe. Uh, see, in, uh, I remember uh, in overseas, we got to go to a glacier. We walked a thousand steps on these wooden platforms up a glacier and walked into the glacier in the Netherlands. They had, they had carved out uh, a room in there. Talk about claustrophobia, by the way. Wow. A couple years ago, we went to the Grand Canyon. What do you do at the Grand Canyon? You go and you stand in awe. You don't say much. You just stand in awe. And I get convicted sometimes thinking, when's the last time I just looked at my God and stood in awe? You know how many times the Bible says, stand in awe and be silent? What's that mean? Like I said about the Niagara Falls, sometimes you get around something so powerful and you're just like, I don't have words. I don't know what to say. We ought to be standing in awe of our God. Second word here. He's called wonderful. He's called counselor. What's that show? Shows us that he counsels. He counsels. God, Jesus, gives counsel. Yes, he's wonderful. That's who he is. That's his character. But he also, he, his counsel we see here. That he is the counselor. Psalm 16, 7, uh, David said, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. <laughs> Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Psalm 73, 24, thou shalt, and I love this verse, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. While I'm on this earth, God's counsel will guide me, and afterward he'll receive me to glory. The word counselor, of course, is the word advisor, one who speaks and urges certain directions of actions or thought, implying the advice given is considered wise and valuable. We have in our schools, in our, in our cities, we have guidance counselors. But you know what? I don't agree with a lot of the counsel they give. There's a lot of people in our world that, that give counsel. And, and by the way, there's people that will give you counsel when you don't ask for it. You know what I mean? <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me, you didn't ask for advice. I apologize for all the coughing. Uh, you didn't ask for advice. You, you, you didn't seek it out, but boy, they're more than willing to give it, right? But Jesus is counsel. Boy, can you imagine if you could sit down face to face with Christ and say, Lord, what should I do here? Boy, would his counsel be good or what? And you know what, though? He is our counselor. 
They said, well, I, you know, how, how do I sit down face to face? You have a counselor that is omniscient. His counsel is wise. His counsel is valuable. And we can go to him at any time for counsel. He also, by the way, gave us a counseling manual. You say, what am I supposed to do in this situation? I guarantee you whatever it is, you can find the answer in here. And that's what a good biblical counselor will do anyway. He won't say, well, I think you ought to know. He'll say, God says to do this. That's what good counsel is, is going through what, is, uh, what God says, what is his heart, what is his wisdom. Counsel is only as good as the wisdom behind it. You can get counsel from people, but, but that counsel is only as good as the wisdom that is behind that counsel. And I just think it's an amazing thing that Jesus knows you better than anybody. Jesus knows every thought you have. Jesus knows tonight whether you're saved or whether you're lost, whether you're a child of God or whether you're not a child of God. He knows everything about you, and yet he still loves you. He knows what you'll do tomorrow, whether you do or not. He knows what everything holds for you. He knows if today is the last day you breathe on this earth. He knows it all. He sees it all. He's already in tomorrow. He's already been through the future. He knows what's going to happen, and and he's sovereign over all. And we can talk to that God and say, Lord, what do I need to do today? Lord, how do I get through this situation? There have been times in my life where I remember in, in, in college going to some of my teachers and asking counsel. There's been many times I've called Pastor Smith on the phone, many times, and uh, usually it's, it's many times per year, many times, where I'm talking to Pastor Smith on the phone. I've had other, I have other counselors that I call and say, hey, there's a situation, what do I do about this? And, uh, you know, what do you do when someone dresses like a full Santa coming to your service back here? You know, what do you do? <coughs> and, uh, but no, I'm just kidding, but, but I, I, will call, I will call and talk to people all the time. But you know what? The, the counsel that they give is only good if it is counsel that is directed through the Word of God. And I want to encourage you tonight that if you are in need of counsel about the new year, about what to do, about what direction, about some big decisions you're making, I don't understand how people can make great big decisions and never seem to fast or pray or get any type of counsel about it. That blows my mind. Because when you're doing things that affect you, your future, and your family, we need God's wisdom. I love that Jesus shows his character with the name Wonderful. I love that he shows his counsel with the name, of course, Counselor. Number three, we see he's the mighty God. To me, that shows his capabilities. He's the mighty God. He's not only all-knowing, but he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. All-powerful, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now, now we do know that Jesus did not come into existence at birth, right? We do understand that, that before, <coughs> before he was on earth, he was still the I am, he was still before. He has always existed. He is God. He is the eternal God, the infinite God. In Colossians, we even see that Jesus created the world. Tom Malone said that, you know, Jesus didn't just come and was created here. No, he just... He just changed addresses for 33 years. That's all he did. He was in heaven forever. Then he came to earth for 33 years. We sing songs about what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. We're talking about Christ. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords, as some have said tonight. 
<coughs> He's all-powerful. Matthew 28, 18, the Bible says, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. Can I ask you tonight, what problem can Jesus not solve? What provision can he not supply? What person can he not save? Jesus can do all of that. Why? Because he has power, all power given unto him in heaven and in earth. By the way, it's his wonderful power that keeps you saved after you accept him as your savior. That's his power. He's omnipotent, mighty God. You know, living our, our kids uh, sometimes will we'll jump up on furniture and just grab my arm or anything nearby on my body, my hand or whatever, and just, Kelly is, is, does this all the time, and will just like swing. My arm is Tarzan's limb. You know, you ever see that thing that's just kind of hanging down? There's always one ready for Tarzan, you know, he's just ready to swing. Or, and that's my arm for Kelly, you know, usually. But there's total faith, total faith that my arm is not going to just pop out a socket. I'm going to drop her or something, and she's getting older, right? <coughs> Excuse me, but just total faith that I'm going to, uh, the, the, uh, relying on the power in my arm, right, to, to, to swing her around. But we're told, by the way, that we have everlasting arms that we can hang on to. We sing leaning on the everlasting arms. To me, the mighty God, that name of Christ, that he would be, that he is that shows his capability. I think of Christ healing people. I think of Christ saving people. I think of, of the very prophecy that, that in the book of Isaiah that is referring to Jesus. And I believe it's Isaiah chapter 61, which Jesus quotes later on. And it says, the spirit of the, in Isaiah 61, 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison of them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Man, Jesus did so much when he was on earth. He's the mighty God. I think there's a motto that we should probably live by this next year when it comes to our problems. Why don't we just live by this? Jesus can. Jesus can. Say, oh, can what? Name it. Jesus can. I like the name in the Old Testament. I, God, Moses came to God and said, and, and someone mentioned it tonight, I think it was Brother Gettler and, and someone else said, said that, that the name of I am that I am. I am that I am. What's that mean? Oh, he, well, first of all, it's referring to his eternality and his in, infinity that he's always been and always will be, but he's whatever you need. He can do it all. He is the I am that I am. And Jesus, hey, he is the I am as well. He can do anything that we need. Jesus can. Why don't we live by that this year in 2023? Jesus can. I don't think I can witness to that person. Jesus can save that person. Jesus can use me. Jesus can give me words. Jesus can give me power. Jesus can give me boldness. I don't think I can make it through this storm. Jesus can hold my hand in the storm. Jesus can get me through the storm. I, my kids wayward away from God. Uh, what can I do? Jesus can bring them back. Jesus can work on a heart. Jesus can convict somebody. Why don't we stop telling God what can't happen? Start living by Jesus can. I want to move on to the next one here. <clears throat> wonderful counselor, the mighty God. And I'm going to use that adjective there, the everlasting father. The word everlasting. I want to just focus on that for just a moment. The word everlasting to me shows his consistency. The word everlasting shows his consistency. There are some verses in the Bible that I really love. Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord God, 
I change not. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's consistent. Jesus isn't going anywhere. He's here to stay. You know, sometimes we lean on people on this earth, but everyone here is mortal. Jesus lives forever. Jesus never changes. For some people, you know, we say, you know, their, their mood changes day by day. Some people, their mood changes minute by minute, second by second. You don't believe me? Go shopping this week. There's, there, the people's mood will change. They're at Starbucks. Oh, bless you. Thank you so much. But then there's six people in line. What is this? You know, it, it just, uh, they get up to the front and, and they get their wonderful coffee and they're so thankful. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. You didn't put cream in this. Give it to you. It's just a second by second. I know how you coffee drinkers are. I'm telling you. <coughs> but our mood can change minute by minute. People, I'm not moody. Hey, we all have emotions that change. But can I tell you something? There's a safety and a security in knowing that Jesus is always the same. He's always the same. If he loved you yesterday, he'll love you today. If he loved you today, he'll love you tomorrow. If he listened to you yesterday, he'll listen today, he'll listen tomorrow. If he won the battle yesterday, guess what? He's got the victory today and he's got the victory tomorrow too. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love that he's everlasting, but look at the next word there. It says that he's the everlasting father. The everlasting father. I love that name for for God. I love that God is referred to as my father. I love it. Why? The word father is a term of relationship. It's a relationship term. But I want you to see that because he's a father, it shows his care and concern for us. His care and his concern. That's what a father has for his, for his family. There's a care. He's watching over them. There's a concern. Hey, this is my flock. This is my brood. This is my family. I am over this. And I'm, I'm in charge. And, and I have the care, the shepherding of this home. And I love that my God cares for me and has concern for me. Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art a father. Thou art our father. We are the clay. Thou art potter. And we are all the work of thy hand. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. But to us there is by one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Of course, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. He's our Father. I won't take you there, but Matthew chapter 7, I love the passage, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. And then it talks about, <coughs> excuse me, it talks in there about if any of you ask a, a, a fish, will he give you a stone and, and things like that? And it says, hey, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, don't you think your heavenly father knows how to give good gifts to you? That's a very relationship-based prayer life right there. Did you see that? That God, as your father, knows what you're asking for and knows what's good for you. Our kids, you know, our kids may ask for things. doesn't mean they're going to get it. Dad, I want a cell phone. Dad, I want an Uzi. Whatever. You know, I don't know what they're going to ask for. But guess what? doesn't mean they're going to get it. Why? Because the father has the care and concern enough to say, and the parents have the care and concern enough to say, hey, I know what you're asking for, but I also know what's good for you. And that's our God. God is our Father, a term of relationship. 
You know, it's a sad thing that many people in our country, in our world, maybe had a father that walked out on them. Maybe had a father they never even knew. Maybe someone's father passed away early. But, but God is so good to substitute with a heavenly father. He's our heavenly father. That relationship is so important. You know, I don't know if a child can really understand the love of a parent until they become one. I don't know if they can. I don't, I don't know uh, if a child can understand the care and concern of a parent until they become one. I don't know. But I wanted to remind you today that this name of Christ shows you that he cares about you. It shows you that he watches over you. He's the everlasting father. And by the way, when you get to heaven, God will still be your father for all of eternity. He's the everlasting father. Last one, would you look at with me tonight? He's the prince of peace. <coughs> to me, that shows his completeness. His completeness. Because the word peace means completeness. It also means safeness. It also means harmonious relations and freedom from disputes. But it's referring to a, a complete, a wholeness. And when we are at peace, there is, when we're not at peace, there's something missing, right? There's something missing inside. There's a safety or security that's missing. But when we have peace, there's a completeness. And Jesus came as the prince of peace. The prophecy, by the way, came in a time of war for Israel. Israel's at war. And after all this time, 700 years, this prophecy came before Christ's birth. And now, 2,000 years later, we are still, our world still knows all about wars. Even today, Russia and Ukraine are at war. Currently, we don't, we don't know much about peace in this world. We want peace. We say we want peace. But uh, we don't know much about it. Jesus, in this passage, was Israel's only hope. And can I say, it's still that way. Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is our only hope for peace tonight. Jesus is perfect in every way. He's the perfect ruler, the perfect king. He is complete in every way, and he will usher in peace one day like we've never known. I love that he is the prince of peace. But he's not just the prince of peace in some ethereal, some mystical way. God, Jesus can bring you peace where you are today. Philippians chapter 6 is the prescription for peace. Be careful, anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. <coughs> we can have peace today. <coughs> I want to read you by way of closing because I'm sure you're tired of hearing me cough and I don't want to keep going on and on. <coughs> but this poem is called The Christ of Christmas. I don't really, I'm sorry, I don't really read a lot of poems from the pulpit. How many of you like poems? Do you like to read poems? More than I thought. Okay, good. I like a good poem. All right. This one is seven pages long. Bear with me. No, I'm just kidding. You know, some of them are. I think you'll find that it goes along with the message tonight as we close. It's called The Christ of Christmas, written by Marie Turk. Five names were given Jesus Christ long centuries before. He came down from his throne above to open heaven's door. Isaiah calls him wonderful. How well this prophet knew his person and the works of love that he on earth would do. Next, he calls him counselor. Ah, this he is indeed. And oh, how blessed we are today when we his counsel heed. The mighty God, yes, he alone has conquered death and sin and faith and his atoning blood will heaven for us win. 
the everlasting Father. This may seem a little odd, but with the Father, Christ is one, Redeemer and true God. The Prince of Peace, how true this is. The angels knew it too. He brought a heavenly peace when he was born for me and you. May we remember these five names and never once forget the Savior who uh, was thus portrayed is here among us yet. The Christ of Christmas. Tonight, I just wanted to bring to you these beautiful names. These beautiful names showing the character and the person of who Jesus Christ is. There's many other names. Of course, you mentioned many of them tonight. But maybe as you're looking at these tonight, there's some of these that you can not only recognize as who Jesus is, but claim as what he can do for you. Maybe tonight we ought to stand in awe of our wonderful Savior. And instead of doing all the talking, maybe sometimes we ought to be still and know that he's God. Be still and know. Are you amazed at God's goodness? Are you, are you listening for his counsel? He's ready to counsel. Are you leaning on the everlasting arms, trusting in the might of our powerful God? Are you resting safe and secure in the fact that he is a consistent God? Are you thankful tonight that he's your father, showing care and concern for your soul? And tonight, are you claiming the peace that he brings as the Prince of Peace came to this world? Just uh, like I said before, a devotional thought, not really a thought that's, that uh, I, I imagine would, would uh, you, you know, be, be a preaching thought, but something I wanted you to think about and consider. But this is, our, this is our Savior. This is the person that we celebrate during this time of year. Eggnog is great, if it's the right kind, you know what I'm talking about? Um, presents are wonderful. Who doesn't like presents? Okay, cards with money in them are welcomed. Everyone here knows that, right? Christmas spirit, hey, I'm glad I got to wear my Christmas shirt tonight. We all love it. It's great. I love this time of year. I love the lights. I love all about it. But as we say so often, may it not become cliche, that it's more than that. This time of year should cause us to pause and to stop and say that baby that was in the manger was wonderful. He's our counselor. He's the mighty God. Is the everlasting Father. He's my Prince of Peace. And I hope tonight we'll just consider that and let that and let God work upon our hearts about the beautiful names of the promised Son. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for who you gave us in that manger 2,000 years ago.